1: Good morning. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and I'm your host, Winifred Adams, and I have a very, very special guest for you today. In keeping with our continued series on music and experts in their field, Making Life Brighter brings to you Mr. Andy Kahn. Welcome, Andy.
2: Well, I am very grateful to be here, Winifred. Thank you so much for having me here.
1: I am so excited that you've decided to come and share your amazing stories of your life. And you are known as the most famous musician you never heard of.
2: That's very true, yes. I've been there and done that so many times. And uh, And back again. And back again. (laughs) And uh, I'm one of those guys who saved all the archives in my life, which made it really, really easy to to see where my life has been.
1: Well, Andy was a member of the Turtles, among many, many things, and is known for recording with Jimi Hendrix, and he is basically a key guy. However, he also has great rhythm and is a drummer as well, but... More importantly, he's putting out a book of all the stories of his life in music, and wait until you hear these stories. We have a special treat for you today. You can't go anywhere. You need to be glued to this, and you need to go to his GoFundMe campaign so he can put this book out there to everybody, because you are going to flip out when you hear these stories. its It's been a treat to get to know Andy, and I am beyond grateful that he's come here to share with us today. So we're going to jump right in. And first of all, let's, let's talk about your book because you're putting together this sort of coffee table book of everything you've saved, everything you've ever done, all the calendars, everything that you have of these stories with these iconic figures and the bands that you've been in, et cetera.
2: Yes, it's a book of name dropping. <laughs> I've done a lot of name dropping in this book.
1: But you've had the experience of the name
2: dropping. Yeah, it's uh, it's really amazing because I saved every photo, every poster, every tape, every vinyl, every uh, uh, letter, uh, contract, a sticker, a button, everything in my life. I saved T-shirts.
1: This is when being a
2: hoarder is a good thing. <laughs> yes, a, a, a pretty organized hoarder. There you go. But anyhow, it made it really easy to write the book because I was uh, uh, making a photo book, which I would just import the photo and go, oh, my God, I remember that, and uh, start talking and writing about it. And uh, It's phenomenal. Yeah, the, it's really great.
1: What prompted you to put this together why did you decide suddenly, you know, hey, you know, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to tell all my stories. Why didn't you do this before? What is it now that's brought you to this point?
2: Well, you know, I've recorded albums. I've done television. I've made movies. I've been on both sides of the fence. I have my own recording studio, my own record company. Uh, I played with all these gigantic celebrities. And I just said, I might as well just tell the tell the story that's what life's all about that's what humans do they like to tell stories so this is a real story
1: well musicians tell stories through music and and you are not only telling story through music but about the making of the music and the beauty of these souls that come together to make this music
2: yes it's a it's a wonderful thing uh just hanging out with uh, all these amazing people go ahead name drop (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, as an example, uh, we opened up for the Jefferson Starship during the Red Octopus Tour. So every night I went up to Gracie's room with Grace and she had her, uh, uh, I don't know, Southern Comfort and I was smoking a joint and at the time she was <clears throat> with uh, her uh, lighting technician, Skip Johnson, uh, and uh, we, every night, I'd just be sitting on the bed with Gracie and Skip, and getting stoned and talking great stories. I mean,
1: that's this life.
2: Is, you know, uh, it's amazing. Uh, you know, or or sitting there with uh, Stephen Stills and staying up all night and playing backgammon. You know, <laughs> uh, just crazy things like that. Uh, you know, uh, being on the road with Little Richard and uh, uh, you know, Moms Mabley was his idol. Do you know who Mom's Mabelie was? You gotta Google it, but that was his idol, Little Richard's idol. But uh, you know, just uh, you how know.
1: was that? What was it like to be with with Little Richard on the road?
2: Unbelievable! The guy was really nice. He was really a nice guy, uh, but uh, you know, he did uh, 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 approach me sexually. Uh, but <laughs> this is
1: the right. R-rated version. Now, yeah, this
2: is know. R-rated. Sorry <laughs> about that. But he was uh, unbelievable. I mean, the guy had more energy than I've ever seen in my life. And he sang. He was Paul McCartney's idol. So when I was uh, the music director for the Grammys with Little Richard and Chuck Berry, it was just the three of us sitting in a little small room with a little upright piano, and we were rehearsing the material for the show. And uh, the object was to play their hits, but change the lyrics... To the nominee's name So instead of Tutti Frutti All Rudy He would go Al Green He's clean (laughs) So the producer Of the show Would change the lyrics So there I am With Little Richard And Chuck Berry And of course I grew up uh, Because of the Beatles I became a musician And John Lennon's idol Was Chuck Berry And Paul McCartney's idol Was Little Richard So it's like A full circle Come true Here I am With these (laughs) icons just the three of us.
1: Were you pinching yourself, or were you in it fully?
2: I was in, in heaven. I was in total ecstasy. I couldn't believe where I was. How
1: did you get there? How did you get to that place?
2: <clears throat> well, a, a mutual friend of mine named Craig Cramp, who was in a group called Cherokee and the Robs, they were the house band for Where the Action Is, Dick Clark's TV show. Uh, so I became friends with Craig Uh, uh, And uh, he calls me up and he says, Bumps Blackwell just called him. Bumps Blackwell was Little Richard's manager and co-writer. He wrote Tutti Frutti and uh, all the big hits with Little Richard. And they were going on a road and they needed a, a band. So Craig was the drummer and he says, would you do it? Tomorrow morning, we're going. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I jumped uh, in the car, and we drove to the airport. And Richard wasn't at the airport, but I met the rest of the guys in the band and stuff. And there was no rehearsal. We just knew the songs we were going to play. If you don't know these Little Richard songs, you, you know.
1: You're not so alive. It's all, There's it's something all, wrong
2: with you. Yeah, it's all 1, four, five. <laughs> It's all straight ahead, G, or uh, Richard's key was G. He liked G. And uh, so there he was. And he'd come running onto the stage with his uh, sequenced outfit and jump on the piano and, and go. And I was amazed. And uh, I was on the Hammond B3. And then when he'd start running around the room, I'd get onto the grand piano. So I was playing the piano while he was running around the room.
1: That's so, amazing. Yeah, you were- it was uh, Amazing. Do you have video of this?
2: Uh, Actually, uh, I have videos of the Dick Clark 20th Anniversary Special, which I was the music director with Little Richard, and also of the Grammys, 1973, uh, with Little Richard and Chuck Berry. And that's where I think I met Clive at that thing. I met everybody at that. I was standing there. Stevie Wonder won his award for Ain't Too Superstitious and there's Paul Simon going, hey, Stevie, it's me, Paul Simon. Congratulations. We're all standing there. And Gladys Knight and, you know, uh, everybody was there. It was just really it's awesome. Amazing.
1: Awesome. I, just, I just sang on a song with her last summer, actually. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, Dionne Warwick put out a song, and they brought me in, and I was a part of it. I don't know if I actually ended up on the final cut or well, that not. That is wonderful.
2: Yeah. That's doesn't, great. Doesn't a, well, that's you have a playing wonderful playing. voice. I heard your like videos. You baby. have a great voice. Thank you. Everybody, you've got to check her out. She's <laughs> awesome.
1: So tell us about your time with Jimi Hendrix.
2: Oh, boy, that's so amazing. Uh, my mom was a friend, or her best friend that she grew up with, was uh, Irwin Garr, who was uh, the president of ABC Dunhill. And then he opened up his own record label in Hollywood called Pulsar Records, which was a subsidiary of Mercury Records, and I was the gopher. 35 bucks a week. Uh, I'd do the Xerox copies, pick up the musicians to go to the recording sessions, take photographs for Billboard and Cashbox, and do all that stuff. And one of the artists on his label was Graham Bond, who was from England and had a... He's an R&B, blues guy, uh, played the Hammond B3 and the saxophone, and he actually brought the Mellotron to the United States. Uh, anyway, so Graham calls me up. He says, bring your harpsichord. we got a jam session. So I pick him up and his wife, Diane. And we go to TT&G Studios on Sunset and Highland, or near there. Uh, and uh, I'm setting up my harpsichord. And Mitch Mitchell is setting up his drums. And Jack Cassidy from... Uh, Jefferson Airplane is uh, getting his bass ready And Lowell George is tuning up his flute And Graham Bond's on the B-3 And I'm on the harpsichord And as I'm screwing the legs on the harpsichord I feel this energy behind me And I turn around and in walks Jimi Hendrix oh my God. With two blonde chicks <laughs> One of them holding his uh, guitar And one holding his amp And he sets up right next to me I mean, I'm right here, and there he is, right next to me. And we just did the blues in A for like a couple hours, just the blues, you know. Were you in
1: heaven? Were you dying? I mean, I
2: was, I was, I was in shock, but I was playing. I tried not to step on his toes, you know. When he wasn't playing, I tried to do a couple of nice licks. My harpsichord was an electric harpsichord uh, through a Leslie speaker, so it was really awesome, you know, really great sound and. so after, after this recording session, uh, we stand in the corner of the room smoking a joint. And this other uh, kid, a uh, long-haired hippie kid, joins me and Hendrix in the corner of the room. So we're passing around the joint. And Hendrix starts to go,
3: do
2: And I start to go, doom chak go doom And then the other kid's playing the bass, all with our mouths so he's going you know so we're all playing all these uh, like a trio power trio with our mouths but we're passing the joint as we're doing you know and it was hilarious so uh, I'll never forget that I mean who else is going to stand in the corner of room with Jimi Hendrix smoking a joint and Pretending your instruments—it's <laughs> it's, it's cool stuff.
1: What happened to you in that moment? Like, what did you actually feel? I know you were—I
2: was twenty years old, so I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You were just—I was in it, and it was fun. And there was Jimi Hendrix. And I went, and you got used to him because mm-hmm. he was a very nice—he was a gentle soul, he, he, no ego. Yeah, guy was down to earth. He was totally down to earth, no ego. I've met a lot of musicians who have horrible egos yeah. and, you, and they make you feel like shit. But I, I'm a type of guy who gets attracted to good energy. Sweet. It makes Sweet. me. I'm a chameleon.
0: So if I'm. <laughs> You're a storyteller.
2: Yeah, if, if I have good energy around me, I am the happiest camper in the world
1: well you're glowing right now and i'm so grateful that you've come and we're going to be right back we have more with andy Kahn right here on making life brighter radio so stay tuned and you can find us on facebook at making life brighter we'll be right back
3: Have you seen Winifred's healing jewelry? See what collectors and celebrities have been adoring for decades. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning based on the energetic healing property of natural semi-precious gemstones. Whether you prefer a custom design or wish to choose something special from her handcrafted line of jewelry, all of Winifred's designs are tuned in a crystal quartz tuning bowl to the word love. Blessed stones by masters and even John of God, these healing pieces have been coveted by happy customers For years, with a fine eye for energy and aesthetic, Winifred brings to life the beauty within each stone and its unique healing properties. Enjoy more energy with Brazilian citrine. Protect yourself from EMFs and rebalance with tourmalines. Break unwanted patterns with beautiful appetite. Choose from a wide variety of gemstones and their healing properties. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning. Follow on Facebook at Designs by Winifred or email at info at designsbywinifred.com. Tom. to help those in need with physical, spiritual, and emotional ailments or trauma. Individuals and families may book private sessions in person or via Skype worldwide. Go to MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information. Enjoy Winifred's monthly articles with upwards of 30,000 fans. To buy music and subscribe to her Voice America radio show, visit iTunes worldwide. Follow along on Facebook at Making Life Brighter for her latest humanitarian effort to help move elephants in South America
4: to a free Rome sanctuary.
0: And we're back. You're listening to Making Life
1: Brighter Radio, and I'm your host, Winifred Adams. And we are here today with Mr. Andy Kahn, and he is a consummate, consummate musician with stories. And he is the most famous musician you've never heard of. And that's a... now tell us your website, actually, Andy.
2: Uh, the address yeah. is allentertainment.net
1: allentertainment.net. How about that? So you have to go check it out and look him up and contribute to his GoFundMe campaign. Yes. Because he is publishing his book of amazing uh, memorabilia stories and his just interesting career with all these famous musicians and people. I mean, the people you've toured with, the people that you've hung with, the people that have influenced our world of music today. Tell us some more of your... uh, You know, super name-dropping stories.
2: Super name-dropping. Gracie Slick. Did I mention her yet? Not yet. Anyhow, uh, we we opened up for the Jefferson Starship uh, Red Octopus Tour. And uh, uh, that was the same time that George Harrison was on the road with his Dark Horse Tour, and he lost his voice. So Flo and Eddie, the two lead singers of the Turtles, would do parodies and funny skits about different people. So one of the skits we did was Mark Volman started to go, oh, my Lord, you know, and cracking his voice and making it uh, very funny. Uh, and then... Um, Uh, Howard, the other guy, you know, Mark and Howard, the lead singers of the Turtles, he would point to me and he'd say, take it, Billy, as if I was Billy Preston. So I I would play nothing from nothing. (laughs) And we would do a couple of measures of that. But what's really hilarious is uh, Marty Ballin. Always he was my makeup man. So he stood next to me right near the Hammond B3 and he had a big Afro wig. And the Hollywood big sunglasses with dollar signs on them. (laughs) So right before the skit where they were going to point to me and say, uh, take it, Billy, uh, Marty, I'd take all my hair and put it up into a bundle and then Marty Ballin would take this big Afro wig and put it on me. And then, you know, hand me this glasses. And then I was ready for the skit and I played (laughs) nothing from nothing. It was just a quick measure and then I jump out into the front of the audience and hold up the double victory signs, and 60,000 people would cheer. <laughs> and I went, "Oh my god!" I'm just—you became st-. addicted. <laughs> I came. I said, "This is the best in the world." Standing out on stage and doing that, and having all these people cheer, and I had my Billy Preston wig on, and it was just—that's one of the funny moments. That's so, really a good one.
1: Entertainment. Uh, came out of, as a byproduct of your love of music. How did you get into music to begin with? How did you even start with music?
2: I grew up listening to the Flying Dutchman Overture or the Rite of Spring or uh, uh, De Meiste Singer or uh, La Mer. Uh, All these classical pieces, I I would pretend I was the conductor and I knew where the timpanis and the violins and the bassoons, I knew where everything was. And I would stand in front of my parents and their friends and conduct all these symphonies. So I loved that. And um, then I think, yeah, Del Shannon came out with the song Runaway and that organ solo. I just, I, ha- I taught myself how to play that solo because of that. And then, of of course, uh, so my love of classical music was my first introduction.
1: Isn't it amazing that then you ended up in more of, um, you know, sort of pop culture music, rock and roll. Yeah, sort of, uh, yeah.
2: But... It's funny uh, another big influence besides Dell Shannon uh, was a guy named Sandy Nelson who had an instrumental drum record called Teen Beat and is dum cha tum cha 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 boom cha 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 and I I mined it I mined all the drum parts and then my cousin gave me his drum set and I learned how to play drums at 10 years old but anyhow uh, it was all the I loved music Music was it.
1: Were your parents musically inclined? Do they?
2: Uh, no, they weren't. But my dad, as a hobby, uh, played the piano. And I had one piano lesson from my father. I was 10 years old. And he says, oh, I'm going to show you something. Just do what I do. So he plays a triad of a D minor chord. Goes dum, 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 with his right hand. And I copied him, and I did it perfectly. Then with his left hand, he went, bum, 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 bum. And I copied it, and I did it perfectly. He says, very good, very good. Now we're going to switch hands. So with the left hand, I played the D minor chord, bum, 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 bum. And with the right hand, I played, dum, dum, dun dun. So in one lesson, at 10 years old, he taught me how to play left and right lead and melody. One lesson.
1: Wow, wow! So that was You're pretty cool. Musically inclined. Are you right-handed or left-handed? Right. Right-handed. Perfectly. Yes. Yeah. And have you found that to be an influence in how you play throughout your career?
2: Yeah, uh, my you know my two teachers really were Little Richard and Dr. John the Night Tripper. Matt Who can Bradley. say
1: that? Who can say that? I
2: mean, just watching <laughs> Little Richard uh, do his uh, triplets and uh, he would break notes. He would hit the piano so hard. Wow. And that's always been my problem. Uh, everywhere I've performed as a solo piano player, like in a restaurant or a bar, they go, shh, you're too loud. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm i a rocker, and I play very loud. I play loud.
1: Will you play for us?
2: I would do that in two seconds.
1: All right. Well, we'll have that in a segment or two.
2: All right. I you would know, love that.
1: It's amazing to think that you grew up this way and then you find yourself in the room with Jimi Hendrix and on the road with Little Richard and the Turtles. I mean, when you ended up just doing that, where was life at that point? I mean, did you grow up thinking, I want to be a musician, or did you grow up thinking I have to go and do XYZ in life, and then you ended up just defaulting to being a musician?
2: I didn't want to be a a straight guy. I didn't want a straight job. I always wanted music to be my only form of income. Very spoiled. In fact, that's what broke up my marriage, was my wife said, get a job. And I said, nah. (laughs) So uh, I really uh, refused to do anything else but music, and all my friends I grew up with, they got straight jobs and did straight things. I'm the only guy I know from the olden days that is still doing music.
1: Is there anybody that you wanted to play with that you never got to play with that you just dreamed to play with?
2: Paul McCartney. All right, Paul.
1: One. Did you hear that?
2: Yeah. <laughs> you I, need I, to get with
1: James Corden and your friend here <laughs> who it, was watching this. Well,
2: I felt like I was close because Ringo was over my house and Harry Nielsen. Was
1: Ringo was th- at your house.
2: Yes, Ringo. Ringo yeah.
1: came over to your house.
2: And- yes. Do you <laughs> mind if I tell you no, the please. premonition yes. story? Yes, yes. 1968, I'm sitting uh, in my uh, little Hollywood apartment, and I always have a dream. A beetle came over to my house. And and then in 1973, uh, I was friends with Harry Nielsen, and Harry brought Ringo Starr over to my house. And uh, uh, it was on Laurel Canyon, and it was 100 degrees outside, and I had a very noisy air conditioner. Uh, so we had to turn off the air conditioner to do Ringo's vocals. And uh, at the end of the recording session, or during the recording session, uh, oh, did I mention that the, that the premonition was the Beatle took off his shoes? Oh that's my what God. I should have said. <laughs> All right, so that's what the premonition was in, in 1968. So in 1993, Ringo's over my house, he sits next to me and he takes his shoes off. So that was really cool stuff, well, you know. That,
1: what happened? What did you do? What did he do? What happened uh, there? <laughs>
2: I, he was, uh, we were all talking. It's all on tape. I have all of our conversations on tape. Oh, of course, I, I would get in a lot of trouble with Ringo if I start releasing any tapes. I can't do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, What was the result of it? Were you, did you do any music? Did you talk about doing music? Were you just sharing, or, I mean, how do you?
2: Well, Ringo and Harry were going to do an album of children's stories. Ah, okay. Like Billy Goats Gruff and all these famous little great stories, and Ringo was the narrator. And uh, uh, Van Dyke Parks, who was the co-writer with Brian Wilson on the Beach Boys, he and I and Harry were going to do the music behind Ringo's uh, dialogue. But then Harry died.
1: Oh, oh.
2: And that fell apart. So.
1: Oh, unbelievable. And, yeah. there's your, and there's your premonition, and it really happened.
2: Yeah, that's true, yeah.
1: And so the Beatle came and took off his shoes in your house. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's, that's a, a, a premonition that I'll never forget. But Ringo was so doll. He was fantastic. Great stories. I'll tell you one Ringo Starr story. All right. Uh, Paul McCartney was on an airplane with Mal Evans, who is the uh, roadie for the Beatles, him and Neil Aspinall. So Mal Evans and Paul are on an airplane and uh, Paul says, you know, I want to do an album, but I don't want it to be the Beatles. I want to be a different mystery band, you know, and try to make up a name and do this. And so Mal Evans says, How about you call it Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band? And it was Mal Evans that thought of the name on that airplane. And this is out of Ringo's mouth. Ringo is literally telling me the stuff.
1: Unbelievable. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean really cool stuff. You're you're part and parcel of history. You are living proof of this history as it transpired in live time and, and your whole life is peppered with this. I mean, you seem to just show up at these places and get put into these situations, Unbelievable. synchronicity follows you.
2: <laughs> yeah. I love it. I, I love my life. I, I'm very grateful.
1: Are you a spiritual guy?
2: Um, I believe in love, you know, um, I don't like religion cause a lot of bad stuff happens with religion like wars and killing mm-hmm. and torture. Um, uh, Uh, I just uh, George Carlin Is my idol
1: I hear you Go George Up there too
2: When he uh, (laughs) Spoke about The man in the sky And uh, You know
1: Well We'll be right back We have more With Andy Kahn Right here And boy Do we have more Stories for you And he is A living legend Right here And you have to go out And uh, help him Fund his book Go to GoFundMe And check out Andy Kahn dot allentertainment.net You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio We'll be right back
3: Have you seen Winifred's healing jewelry? See what collectors and celebrities have been adoring for decades. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning based on the energetic healing property of natural semi-precious gemstones. Whether you prefer a custom design or wish to choose something special from her handcrafted line of jewelry, all of Winifred's designs are tuned in a crystal quartz tuning bowl to the word love. Blessed stones by masters and even John of God, these healing pieces have been coveted by happy customers for years. With a fine eye for energy and aesthetic, Winifred brings to life the beauty within each stone and its unique healing properties. Enjoy more energy with Brazilian citrine. Protect yourself from EMFs and rebalance with tourmalines. Break unwanted patterns with beautiful appetite. Choose from a wide variety of gemstones and their healing properties. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning. Follow on Facebook at Designs by Winifred or email at info at designsbywinifred.com Calm. To help those in need with physical, spiritual, and emotional ailments or trauma. Individuals and families may book private sessions in person or via Skype worldwide. Go to makinglifebrighter.com for more information. Enjoy Winifred's monthly articles with upwards of 30,000 fans. To buy music and subscribe to her Voice America radio show, visit iTunes worldwide. Follow along on Facebook at Making Life Brighter for her latest humanitarian effort to help move elephants in South America to a free roam sanctuary.
0: And we're back.
1: You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and today we have special guest Andy Kahn, and he is here talking about his incredible life in the music industry. And he has a website called allentertainment.net, and you have to go check that out. And you can go to his GoFundMe page to help him fund this beautiful book of his memoir, archives, and all the things that you all out there adore and love. And he has story after story after story. In fact, Soon he'll be putting out a special uh, subscription series of his stories. So you'll have to check that out because some of these stories you will never have heard before. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He is a walking library of music history. Truly. (laughs) He's known as the most famous musician you've never heard of.
2: And that's what my GoFundMe uh, page is, the most famous musician never heard of
1: there you so go So that's see? how you find me there. on gofundme on gofundme the most famous musician you've never heard of now you can't forget that <laughs> <laughs> now you were you had ringo at your house yes and you were going to meet john lennon but you didn't actually get to meet him
2: no uh, i played at a place called steve paul's the scene in 1968 i was on the road with dr john the night tripper mac rabinac so Mac was playing the guitar, I was on the harpsichord, and uh, Booker T uh, was jamming on the Hammond B-3, and John Bonham was on the drums. And this is me at 21 years old, playing with all these incredible people. So at the hotel later, I had picked up this girl who kind of looked like Janice Joplin. So... Uh, <laughs> I was all infatuated and having fun with her in the hotel room. And I get a call from Maury Baker, Janis Joplin's real drummer. And he says, John Lennon's having a a citizenship green card party at his hotel in in New York. And you're invited.
1: Unbelievable. I,
2: I turned it down. I was a fool.
1: Oh, you do The girl it down. was more important.
2: Yeah, to me, I was more <laughs> excited about getting laid than it was to meet John Lennon. But that was my biggest bad I've ever done. Your,
1: your mini faux pas.
2: Yeah, that was that was a, a yeah. But I, I was able to meet uh, Paul McCartney and George Harrison and Ringo. That's, so that, amazing. that's Close enough for me. But
1: how did you get to meet them?
2: <clears throat> Let's see. Paul McCartney, I met at. Uh, the Alice Cooper, Clarence Clemens, wow. October Oktoberfest uh, at Universal City Studios and Flo and Eddie, the lead singers of the Turtles, had their own radio show on K-Rock in New York after Howard Stern. So at this big event at Universal, they had 40 radio stations of cross-country, had their little tents set up at the amphitheater and, and all these amazing celebrities would come in and they'd do interviews. So my job was to drive a limo and pick up all these celebrities, bring them to our tent. I'd have my keyboard set up there and we'd play Happy Together with the celebrity and we'd also play one of the celebrity's hits. So we had Dean Torrance, uh, we had uh, Eric Burden, uh, we had Elvira, uh, we had... uh, Bobby Hatfield, you know, we did uh, Unchained Melody. And then uh, I went to pick up Harry Nielsen. And we did uh, one of the songs that the Dillards wrote, that Harry wrote. So that was a really exciting event. And uh, Paul McCartney was speaking at one of the amphitheater things. So he came up to Mark and Howard and I and shook our hands. So that was my introduction to Paul. And uh, Ringo, I was introduced to through Harry Nielsen because they were very tight, very, very tight. After John died, they adopted each other as brothers and they did Uh albums together and everything. So I met uh, Ringo through uh, Harry. And then at Harry Nielsen's funeral, George Harrison came. Mm. So uh, at the funeral, everybody, uh, after the service was over drove their cars on the road to the graveside, But only George Harrison and I were the only two that walked over this, like, grassy hill as a shortcut to go to the graveside. So I, I said to George, Hi, George, my name is Andy Kahn. He shook my hand and he says, Harry spoke very highly of you.
1: Oh, that's nice. And that's I nice. got
2: chills. And I, I didn't want to talk to him about music, but I just... I said, wow, thank you so much. And that's the only conversation I had with George. Wow. The rest of it was just quiet going to the gravesite. So I was fortunate enough to meet three Beatles.
1: Unbelievable. What happened to you when you found out John was killed? Where were you oh, and what, what? how did that impact you?
2: I cried my ass off. Really? I, it was horrible. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was in shock. I was in my uh, kitchen and my friend Tom Levy, bass player that I... Recorded and worked with He called me said John was just shot And it was a horrible Horrible
1: The The Beatles impacted Your musical career
2: Totally I would not be a musician If it wasn't for The Ed Sullivan Show
1: What's your favorite song?
2: Of the Beatles?
1: Yeah As a group? Uh-huh Yeah,
2: the favorite song Is Day in the Life
3: Yeah? I love
2: that song Yeah <laughs> I read the news today, oh boy. When I play it on piano, I always get ovations because I do the crescendo, you know, where it all builds up and stuff.
1: Maybe we'll have you play that one. Oh, okay,
2: sure. (laughs) It's actually on YouTube, too. (laughs) Um, I'm all over Facebook.
1: Your your time with the Turtles was pretty intense for you. Tell us some of the, the big highlights of being a part of the Turtles.
2: Uh... Just uh, funny stories. There's really funny stories. Uh, we were flying to uh, Australia on a Pan American 747. And, uh, you know, I, I my mouth runs, so I stole the... I stole. I so, told the stewardess that we were the turtles and we were on the plane. So she goes up and tells the captain. So the captain says, why don't you invite a couple of them up to the... Uh, thing. This is 1973 or the lounge upstairs yeah. or whatever. Right? This is way before there was any uh, terrorism. 9/11. <laughs> so um, uh, Mark Volman and I went to the uh, into the cockpit, and the captain says, "Do you like to play backgammon?" Sure. So we start playing backgammon <laughs> with, with the, the captain? captain in the 747, <laughs> and I'm looking at the uh, windshield, and there's a whole row of numbers. Above the windshield, it's a little dial, and I says, "What does that do?" And he goes, "Go ahead, turn the wheel, see what happens." So I reach up there and I start turning the wheel, and then the airplane banks off <laughs> to the right. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm flying this multi-gigantic-ton airplane with 500 souls aboard, and with my index finger. So that's just one of the funny things that happens to you when you're. When you're, you're
1: famous and you're called up, and in the day that you can do that,
2: yeah, it's wonderful. That's a great story. I love that. And what,
1: one. where do, where haven't you been in the world when you, since you've been? Oh,
2: I would love to go to uh, Japan. I would love there. I have no desire to go to the third world, Egypt, and all that. I have no desire. But mm-hmm. I, I guess I would enjoy Africa and South America.
1: I bet the Japanese cook. would love your stories. Yes,
2: they especially would. Especially
1: about the Beatles.
2: <laughs> and, uh, you know, since I was associated with Frank Zappa and the Turtles, uh, and I had a band called Geronimo Black with Jimmy Carl Black from Zappa, I have a following in Europe. Uh, when I toured there with uh, F- uh, Flo and Eddie, we did the two-and-a-half-man show. I was a half a man. And I played the le- <laughs> left-hand bass and uh, <laughs> keyboards and sang and flow. It was just the three of us, like a vaudeville yeah. with a, slide, a slideshow and stuffed animals. And uh, I had, That's a video as well. That's yeah.
1: Yeah. It's so much fun, the freedom that was. Today, it's kind of stayed in the music industry. I mean, we have technology and tools to take music as a nobody to something all by yourself. But at that point in time, it was... You know, heavy radio and touring and things like that, right?
2: Yes. How do you
1: see the change in in music?
2: Oh, well, uh, in the good old days, when you had vinyl or tapes, it was a physical unit that you can hold in your hand.
1: So there's a tangible aspect to it. A tangible
2: thing that you can go to the store and buy a record or buy a tape. Now it's all download. So literally... There's no way to track it.
1: It's kind of like the association with the artwork isn't the same. You don't experience it the same way.
2: Yeah, you don't have that big old 12-inch record in your hand or a cassette. It's all download.
1: What was your first record?
2: Oh. uh, It was uh, a, a group called The Individuals in 1965.
1: Who are The Individuals?
2: It's me and a singer named Reno Franzé and a drummer named Sandy Reiner and a guitar player named Larry Kramer. And we, we uh, did original songs and Top 40 in, ni- 16, in 1965. And uh, uh, we recorded at Bruno Dean Recording Studios, the little two-track studio. And um, later on in 1980... Uh, David Gibson of Moxie Records, which is a garage band collector's label, liked my 1965 recordings. He says, let's release it on my label, but we won't call it Andy Kahn. We're going to call it Johnny Farfisa, <laughs> because I used a Farfisa organ. Oh. I played left-hand bass, and it was a Farfisa organ. And uh, so there was a one instrumental on this EP, vinyl, it was called She's Gone Away, and all of a sudden, everybody in Europe loved the sh- the hell out of it, and uh, two other record labels licensed that one song from me, and just recently, Munster Records in Spain just put out a 12-inch album of Johnny Farfiz's greatest hits. Oh,
1: my God. From these that's fantastic.
2: 52-year-old recordings uh. from 1965, oh, so okay. it's pretty cool stuff. Congratulations. Yeah, so that's my first recordings. Back back in the day
1: Amazing amazing. You actually
2: can hear it right now on YouTube If you Google Johnny Farfisa You can hear it right now on YouTube
1: There you go, go check it out We'll be right back, you're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio And if you'd like to hear the archive of this show and many more You can go to makinglifebrighter.com Stay tuned
3: Have you seen Winifred's healing jewelry? See what collectors and celebrities have been adoring for decades. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning based on the energetic healing property of natural semi-precious gemstones. Whether you prefer a custom design or wish to choose something special from her handcrafted line of jewelry, all of Winifred's designs are tuned in a crystal quartz tuning bowl to the word love. Blessed stones by masters and even John of God. These healing pieces have been coveted by happy customers for years. With a fine eye for energy and aesthetic, Winifred brings to life the beauty within each stone and its unique healing properties. Enjoy more energy with Brazilian citrine. Protect yourself from EMFs and rebalance with tourmalines. Break unwanted patterns with beautiful appetite. Choose from a wide variety of gemstones and their healing properties. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning. Follow on Facebook at Designs by Winifred or email at info at designsbywinifred.com com To help those in need with physical, spiritual, and emotional ailments or trauma. Individuals and families may book private sessions in person or via Skype worldwide. Go to makinglifebrighter.com for more information. Enjoy Winifred's monthly articles with upwards of 30,000 fans. To buy music and subscribe to her Voice America radio show, visit iTunes worldwide. Follow along on Facebook at Making Life Brighter for her latest humanitarian effort to help move elephants in South America to a free roam sanctuary.
1: And we're back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and you can email me directly at radio at makinglifebrighter.com if you have questions or comments or you'd like to hear something in particular on the show. We feature experts in their field and all those that are making our lives brighter, and I hope today is making your life brighter. And you can go and check out the archive at makinglifebrighter.com. And on the radio page, on the main page, the player is there. You can check out any of the shows that we've done and share them with your friends and especially this one, because Andy needs to put out his book. So you need to tell the world to go to allentertainment.net. And
2: well, actually, the book is not on Ultra.
1: It's on the GoFundMe page. Go but you Fund can find Me. him at allentertainment.net. The most famous. The most famous musician you've never, ever heard of. It's the most. <laughs> we'll make a song of that. How about that? I tell that? You, I love it. <laughs> so tell us. Tell us another antidote from your archive, because you are just a treasure trove of stories. Oh, this is
2: wonderful. Uh, I was out of work, and I needed a job, so I was an extra in the movies for three years. And the very last movie I was an extra in was called Brothers in Arms. It was a black Western, and there was only a couple of white guys, and David Carradine was one of the white guys, and Ed Lauder... Uh, uh, is this actor that you would recognize from... uh, You see his picture, and you would go, oh, my God, he's a very recognizable actor. He's been in hundreds of movies, all the police shows. Uh, He was in uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Family Plot. He was in The Longest Yard. He was in tons and tons of movies. Anyhow, so I met him on the set, and I said, hey, my name's Andy. You know, I used to play with the turtles. He says, oh, Really? So he invited me back to the trailer. Now, I was an extra, which means I'm supposed to be in holding area with all the other extras. But he took me to his trailer, and we ate food and stuff. And the director comes in to tell Ed about the new shot they're gonna, scene they're going to shoot. And he says, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. Both. And Ed puts his arm around me and goes, he's with me. <laughs> so I did a, a scene with David Carradine and Ed Lauder. So, meanwhile, we become really good friends. He would come to Turtle concerts at the Greek Theater and all these places. And uh, his good friend was Michael J. Pollard. Pollard? You know, the guy from Bonnie and Clyde who oh my played God. The, the snitch. Yeah. So uh, Ed had uh, Michael J over at his house and we're sitting there talking and stuff. And uh, we're watching a, a movie, a Christmas movie, something Scrooge that Michael was in. So I'm here on the couch watching the movie with Michael and Ed. But uh, Michael was going to uh, uh, Narcotics Anonymous. And uh, so Ed said, would you mind taking Michael home? tonight and dropping them off at the church so we can do the or Narcotics Anonymous and then take them home after that. I said, fine, sure. So we go to this church and, you know, Michael J. Fox, uh, Polar, the, the famous guy from Bonnie and Clyde, the famous actor, and he's standing in this circle doing the 12-step program with all these people and I'm laughing under my breath going, they don't even recognize him. <laughs> So then we go back to his house and we'd light up and we have we smoking joints and talking about uh he thought of the name The Low Spark of High Heeled Boys, which is a song that traffic Stevie Winwood and John Capaldi uh did. But Michael J. Fox was writing a book
1: Michael Pollard.
2: Paul Pollard. See, that's what happens when you Yeah. Anyhow, Michael Pollard. Mm-hmm. He uh he thought of the name Low Spark of High Heeled Boys, which I thought was very cool.
1: See, people don't know where all this stuff comes from. Yeah. like, really. you know, yeah. you you just see it out there as as something that catches your attention, but these stories that you're telling, for example, show that there's another backstory to how it came about. I and know. How, I, how lo- I love all with... these
2: inside stories. It's wonderful.
1: Who Who's your idol?
2: Paul McCartney. Yeah. Yeah. Why? And John Lennon, the Beatles. Uh, I mean... uh, There's
1: nothing else that needs to be said. (laughs) Nothing.
2: uh, I mean, I love the Stones and the Kings and the Zombies and the Bo Brummels and uh, Dave Clark Five and all that, but the Beatles were the main reason uh, I became a musician. And their vocals and the chord progressions and the harmonies and everything was... I learned to play drums by listening to Ringo's drumming.
1: Wow. Uh, I taught myself. Was it not just
2: mind-blowing? Just learning how to... to, I just learned how to play drums by listening to Ringo's drumming. That's how I taught myself to play.
1: And then mm. there you go, years later, fast yeah. forward in time. Yes. Here you, yeah. you come full circle to all of them, yeah. round and about.
2: Yeah, it, right after I did that Jimi Hendrix session, a week later, um, Graham Bond calls me and says, Buddy Miles wants to do a uh, concert at Del Mar Racetrack, and he usually has two drummers. But his second drummer couldn't make it. So, do you know of another drummer? And I said, I, I'll play drums. <laughs> so there I am, no rehearsal, oh my just God. getting up on stage with Buddy Miles, you know, and playing all these songs. And uh, I was 20 years old on stage playing drums with Buddy Miles.
1: Unbelievable. just
2: all these crazy moments you there.
1: have like this, this star upon you for your life and it just goes to show that you don't have to be a gazillionaire and you don't have to be the most famous person in the world to have such what I'll call a synchronistic kind of pattern to your life yeah. because one thing led to the next and I think for you it seems like just show up and when you show up life <laughs> happens right yes the next it's thing wonderful
2: happens. just just like uh, I met you through <laughs> Max Gale
1: I know Unbelievable. And uh,
2: Max Gale was a, f- a friend of mine back in 1968. And uh, so it's really very cool that he brought me into this. Uh, I do. It's so great. Yeah. It's
1: like we I- I'm grateful that you've come. I'm grateful that you've taken the time to share these stories here because there are so many people that it, this means something to and I know your book will mean something to people all over, and more stories that you're going to tell will mean something to people. And see, he's a treasure trove, I'm telling you. He's a walking <laughs> encyclopedia of music history, because he was part of it. And. What's astounding is that you can pull the dates and the names and everything. Oh,
2: yeah. It's mean, yeah, when you write a book and it takes you a couple of years to write it, you're going to remember all this stuff because you're, you're analyzing it every day and going through it, make sure the spelling and grammar.
1: What popped up that really had you step back and go, wow, I forgot about that, but that is incredible. What did you come across in writing it that
2: was. Oh, oh. well, when I'd go back into my memories, I'd go to Google and research people's names that I hung out with. So as an example, in 1966, uh, I had a VW bus. And uh, uh, my friend, a neighbor who lived down the block from me in New Rochelle, New York, his father was an airline pilot, and they were wealthy. And he owned a Corvette And he also owned a Hammond B3 Oregon, which I loved madly. So I'd go over to his house, and I'd give him lessons on how to play stuff. So one day, he says, Andy, uh, I'd like to borrow your VW bus, and I'll give you my Corvette in trade. (laughs) So for the weekend, I had a Corvette, and I was driving around. I had a ball. It was great. But his name was Alfred Delantash. Who later, when I Googled his name, started his own celebrity airlines, where he would have airplanes to per- specifically what for rock idea. stars. a brilliant idea,
1: yeah, perfect.
2: And then he got in trouble, and he was dealing with the Columbia cartel, and he was dealing cocaine and stuff, and then he went to jail, and he died. Oh. So this is when you're writing a book, you look up somebody's name, and you That's find amazing. out this stuff. That's amazing.
1: Well, thank you for sharing all these insights. Everybody, you get to see the supplement. He's going to play live now. So you can go to makinglifebrighter.com, and you can check out the supplement there of Andy, in color, playing. (laughs) You can check out allentertainment.net. And I have one question I ask everybody. What makes your life brighter?
2: Meeting you. This is fantastic. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this woman is an angel. She's got so many good vibes protruding from her body that you just smile. You
1: I, just I smile. paid him to say that. I want you to know. Yeah. All right, everybody, go jolly. Go make somebody else's life brighter and check out the supplement at makinglifebrighter.com. Andy Con. There you
0: go. We'll see you next week. Lots of love. For listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at MakingLifeBrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out. Go Jolly!